0: Chapter 21 of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Judy Guyton, The Scarlet Pimpernel by Emma Orczy, Chapter 21 Suspense. It was late into the night when she at last reached the Fisherman's Rest. She had done the whole journey in less than 8 hours thanks to innumerable changes of horses at the various coaching stations for which she always paid lavishly thus obtaining the very best and swiftest that could be had her coachman too had been indefatigable the promise of special and rich reward had no doubt helped to keep him up and he had literally burned the ground beneath his mistress's coach wheels the arrival of lady blakeney in the middle of the night caused a considerable flutter at the fisherman's rest sally jumped hastily out of bed and mr jellyband was at great pains how to make his important guest comfortable both of these good folk were far too well drilled in the manners appertaining to innkeepers to exhibit the slightest surprise at lady blakeney's arrival alone at this extraordinary hour no doubt they thought all the more but marguerite was far too absorbed in the importance the deadly earnestness of her journey to stop and ponder over trifles of that sort the coffee-room the scene lately of the dastardly outrage on two english gentlemen was quite deserted Mr. Jellyband hastily relit the lamp, rekindled a cheerful bit of a fire in the great hearth, and then wheeled a comfortable chair by it, into which Marguerite gratefully sank. "'Will your ladyship stay the night?' asked pretty Miss Sally, who was already busy laying a snow-white cloth on the table, preparatory to providing a simple supper for her ladyship. "'No, not the whole night,' replied Marguerite. "'At any rate, I shall not want any room but this, if I can have it to myself for an hour or two.' it is at your ladyship's service said honest jellyband whose rubicund face was set in its tightest folds lest it should betray before the quality that boundless astonishment which the very worthy fellow had begun to feel i shall be crossing over at the first turn of the tide said marguerite and in the first schooner i can get but my coachman and men will stay the night and probably several days longer so i hope you will make them comfortable yes my lady i'll look after them shall sally bring your ladyship some supper yes please put something cold on the table and as soon as sir andrew fulkes comes show him in here yes my lady honest jellyband's face now expressed distress in spite of himself he had great regard for sir percy Blakeney and did not like to see his lady running away with young sir andrew of course it was no business of his and mr jellyband was no gossip still in his heart he recollected that her ladyship was after all only one of them furriners what wonder that she was immoral like the rest of them don't sit up on his jelly continued Marguerite kindly, nor you either, Mistress Sally. Sir Andrew may be late. jelly band was only too willing that Sally should go to bed. He was beginning not to like these going-ons at all. Still, Lady Blakeney would pay handsomely for the accommodation, and certainly was no business of his. Sally arranged a simple supper of cold meat, wine, and fruit on the table. Then, with respectful curtsy, she retired wondering in her little mind why her ladyship looked so serious when she was about to elope with her gallant then commenced a period of weary waiting for marguerite she knew that sir andrew who would have to provide himself with clothes befitting a lackey could not possibly reach dover for at least a couple of hours he was a splendid horseman of course and would make light of such an emergency of the seventy-odd miles between london and dover he would too literally burn the ground beneath his horse's hoofs but he might not always get very good remounts and in any case he could not have started from london until at least an hour after she did she had seen nothing of chauvelin on the road her coachman whom she questioned had not seen any one answering the description his mistress gave him of the wizened figure of the little frenchman evidently therefore he had been ahead of her all the time she had not dared to question the people at the various inns where they had stopped to change horses she feared that Chevelin had spies all along the route who might overhear her questions then outdistance her and warn her enemy of her approach now she wondered at what inn he might be stopping or whether he had the good luck of chartering a vessel already and was now himself on the way to france that thought gripped at her heart as with an iron vice if indeed she should not be too late already the loneliness of the room overwhelmed her everything within was so horribly still the ticking of the grandfather's clock dreadfully slow and measured was the only sound which broke this awful loneliness marguerite had need of all her energy all her steadfastness of purpose to keep her courage through this weary midnight waiting every one else in the house but herself must have been asleep she had heard sally go upstairs mr jellyband had gone to see her coachman and men and then had returned and taken up a position under the porch outside just where marguerite had first met Chauvelin about a week ago he evidently meant to wait up for sir andrew folkes but was soon overcome by sweet slumbers for presently in addition to the slow ticking of the clock marguerite could hear the monotonous and dulcet tones of the worthy fellow's breathing for some time now she had realized that the beautiful warm october's day so happily begun had turned into a rough and cold night she had felt very chilly and was glad of the cheerful blaze on the hearth but gradually as time wore on the weather became more rough and the sound of the great breakers against the admiralty pier, though some distance from the inn came to her as the noise of a muffled thunder the wind was becoming boisterous rattling the leaded windows and the massive doors of the old-fashioned house it shook the trees outside and roared down the vast chimney marguerite wondered if the wind would be favourable for her journey she had no fear of the storm and would have braved worse risks sooner than delay the crossing by an hour a sudden commotion outside roused her from her meditations evidently it was sir andrew fulkes just arrived in mad haste for she heard his horse's hoofs thundering on the flagstones outside and mr jellyband's sleepy but cheerful tones bidding him welcome for a moment then the awkwardness of her position struck marguerite Alone at this hour, in a place where she was well known, and having made an assassination with a young cavalier equally well known, and who arrived in disguise, what food for gossip to those mischievously inclined? The idea struck Marguerite chiefly from its humorous side. There was such quaint contrast between the seriousness of her errand and the construction which would naturally be put on her actions by honest Mr. Jellyband that— For the first time since many hours, a little smile began playing around the corners of her childlike mouth, and when presently Sir Andrew, almost unrecognizable in his lackey-like garb, entered the coffee-room, she was able to greet him with quite a merry laugh. "'Faith, Monsieur, my lackey,' she said, "'I'm satisfied with your appearance.' Mr. Jellyband had followed Sir Andrew, looking strangely perplexed. The young, gallant's disguise had confirmed his worst suspicions without a smile upon his jovial face he drew the cork from the bottle of wine set the chairs ready and prepared to wait thanks honest friend said marguerite who was still smiling at the thought of what the worthy fellow must be thinking at that moment we shall require nothing more and here's for all the trouble you've been put to on our account she handed two or three gold pieces to jellyband who took them respectfully and with becoming gratitude stay lady blakeney interposed sir andrew as jellyband was about to retire I am afraid we shall require something more of my friend Jelly's hospitality. I am sorry to say we cannot cross over to-night. Not cross over to-night, she repeated in amazement, but we must, Sir Andrew, we must. There can be no question of cannot, and whatever it may cost, we must get a vessel to-night. But the young man shook his head sadly. I am afraid it is not a question of cost, Lady Blakeney. There is a nasty storm blowing from France. The wind is dead against us. We cannot possibly sail until it has changed marguerite became deadly pale she had not foreseen this nature herself was playing her a horrible cruel trick percy was in danger and she could not go to him because the wind happened to blow from the coast of france but we must go we must he repeated with strange persistent energy you know we must go can't you find a way i have been down to the shore already he said and had a talk to one or two skippers it is quite impossible to set sail to-night so every sailor assured me no one he added looking significantly at marguerite no one could possibly put out of dover to-night marguerite at once understood what he meant no one included chauvelin as well as herself she nodded pleasantly to jellyband well then i must resign myself she said to him have you a room for me oh yes your ladyship a nice bright airy room i'll see to it at once and there is another one for sir andrew both quite ready That's brave now, mine honest jelly," said Sir Andrew gaily, and clapped his worth host vigorously on the back. You unlock both those rooms, and leave our candles here on the dresser. I vow you are dead with sleep, and her ladyship must have some supper before she retires. There have no fear, friend of the rueful countenance. Her ladyship's visit, though at this unusual hour, is a great honor to thy house, and Sir Percy Blakeney will reward thee doubly, if thou seest well to her privacy and comfort sir andrew had no doubt guessed the many conflicting doubts and fears which raged in honest jellyband's head and as he was a gallant gentleman he tried by this brave hint to allay some of the worthy innkeeper's suspicions he had the satisfaction of seeing that he had partially succeeded jellyband's rubicon countenance brightened somewhat at the mention of sir percy's name i'll go and see to it at once sir he said with alacrity and less frigidity in his manner has your ladyship everything she wants for supper everything thanks honest friend and as i am famished and dead with fatigue i pray you see to the rooms now tell me she said eagerly as soon as Jellyband had gone from the room tell me all your news there is nothing else much to tell you lady blakeney replied the young man the storm makes it quite impossible for any vessel to put out of dover this tide but what seemed to you at first a terrible calamity is really a blessing in disguise if we cannot cross over to france to-night chauvelin is in the same quandary He may have left before the storm broke out. "'God grant he may,' said Sir Andrew merrily, for very likely then he'd have been driven out of his course. Who knows, he may now even be lying at the bottom of the sea, for there is a furious storm raging, and it will fare ill with all small craft which happen to be out. But I fear we cannot build our hopes upon the shipwreck of that cunning devil with all his murderous plans. The sailors I spoke to all assured me that no schooner had put out of Dover for several hours on the other hand i ascertained that a stranger had arrived by coach this afternoon and had like myself made some inquiries about crossing over to france then chauvelin is still in dover undoubtedly shall i go waylay him and run my sword through him that were indeed the quickest way out of the difficulty nay sir andrew do not jest alas i have often since that night caught myself wishing for that fiend's death but what you suggest is impossible the laws of this country do not permit of murder it is only in our beautiful france that wholesale slaughter is done lawfully in the name of liberty and of brotherly love sir andrew had persuaded her to sit down to the table to partake of some supper and to drink a little wine this enforced rest of at least twelve hours until the next tide was sure to be terribly difficult to bear in the state of intense excitement in which she was obedient in these small matters like a child marguerite tried to eat and drink sir andrew with that profound sympathy born in all those who are in love made her almost happy by talking to her about her husband he recounted to her some of the daring escapades the brave scarlet pimpernel had contrived for the poor french fugitives whom a relentless and bloody revolution was driving out of their country he made her eyes glow with enthusiasm by telling her of his bravery his ingenuity his resourcefulness when it meant snatching the lives of men women and even children from beneath the very edge of that murderous ever-ready guillotine he even made her smile quite merrily by telling her of the scarlet pimpernel's quaint and many disguises through which he had baffled the strictest watch set against him at the barricades of paris this last time the escape of the Conteste de tournay and her children had been a veritable masterpiece blakeney disguised as a hideous old market-woman in filthy cap and straggling grey locks was a sight-fit to make the gods laugh marguerite laughed heartily as sir andrew tried to describe blakeney's appearance whose gravest difficulty always consisted in his great height which in france made disguise doubly difficult thus an hour wore on there were many more to spend in enforced inactivity in dover marguerite rose from the table with an impatient sigh she looked forward with dread to the night in the bed upstairs with terribly anxious thoughts to keep her company and the howling of the storm to help chase sleep away she wondered where percy was now the daydream was a strong well-built sea-going yacht sir andrew had expressed the opinion that no doubt she had got in the lee of the wind before the storm broke out or else perhaps had not ventured into the open at all but was lying quietly at gravesend briggs was an expert skipper and sir percy handled a schooner as well as any master mariner there was no danger for them from the storm it was long past midnight when at last marguerite retired to rest as she had feared sleep sedulously avoided her eyes her thoughts were of the blackest during these long weary hours whilst that incessant storm raged which was keeping her away from percy the sound of the distant breakers made her heart ache with melancholy she was in the mood when the sea has a saddening effect upon the nerves it was only when we are happy that we can bear to gaze merrily upon the vast and limitless expanse of water rolling on and on with such persistent irritating monotony to the accompaniment of our thoughts whether grave or gay when they are gay the waves echo their gaiety but when they are sad then every breaker as it rolls seems to bring additional sadness and to speak to us of hopelessness and of the pettiness of all our joys chapter twenty one suspense reading by judy